Welcome, friends. You're listening to The Feeling is Musical, as presented by the Snohomish County Music Project. My name is Erica Lee, and today we are talking about collective care, a disability justice paradigm, with music therapist Yana Ramos. Yana is a music therapist who strives to ground the space they share with others in the framework of disability justice, strengthening collective care and being gentle with each of our bodies and minds. With over a year of clinical experience, Yana collaborates with parents, children, youth, and elders to create a space where existing in one's fullness is actualized and celebrated. Before we get started, here's a note from Yana. Thanks, Erica. Before we get into the podcast, there are a couple things I wanted to leave disclaimers about. The first of which is that I am a non-black person of color who lives in a neurodivergent and disabled body-mind with other intersecting identities of privilege and power and marginalization and oppression. All of the things that I will share in this podcast, if they are not my own experience, is knowledge that I have received from the writings and teachings and lived examples of elders in the disabled community. And I recognize that the things I have chosen to share or the way that I have been able to share this knowledge is a snapshot of where I am in my journey of learning and unlearning. Early in the episode, I use a word that is considered an ableist slur, and I apologize to anyone that that triggers. There are many layers of harm and trauma and growth and community and resistance and oppression and suppression and I do not have the experience to talk about all of them and there are other people who have chosen to talk about them so just to note that this is an overview of one person's current understanding of disability justice especially as it relates to the field of music therapy. And I really appreciate the opportunity to share this part of my journey on this podcast. So thanks again. Welcome back to the podcast, Yana. I'm excited. I'm excited too. Thank you. The last ones were so good. So I have high expectations. No pressure or anything. (laughs) (laughs) So today we're going to talk about disability justice. And we've chosen to talk about this today in particular because yesterday on Sunday was the 30th anniversary of the Americans with Disabilities Act being passed in 1990. So that's very important. There's still a lot of work to be done regarding disability justice, but let's talk about it. So what is disability justice? Can we just start there? Yeah. So like you said, we're releasing this podcast because it comes on the 30th anniversary of the ADA, but this podcast is about disability justice which could be considered in some respects like the second wave of disability rights, which is what the ADA granted us. So the ADA is the law that said places need to be wheelchair accessible. Basically the law that says people can't discriminate against other people on the basis of disability. And that And that came out of many years of advocacy and activism from within the disabled community. But 
just because people are given protection under the law, it doesn't mean that everything is okay now, uh, especially because the disabled community has such a long history of being discriminated against under the law. I'm going to use a, a term that this is what the law was called, but this, this word itself is not okay. But the there were idiot laws, there were ugly laws, there were basically laws that said, if you're disabled, we don't want to see you out in public. You can't marry, you know, regular people. You can't produce children. Like, people were being sterilized because they were disabled and within our own country. So, you know, the law... <laughs> The law is great, but it doesn't do much for us if, you know, we're discriminated against under the law or we're protected against under the law. So disability justice is a framework. So it's like, should integrate disability justice into other justice movements that are happening now. And disability justice itself was developed about 15 or so years ago out of the work of people who are often left behind in the context of disability rights. So the disability rights movement, just like many other civil rights movements, were dominated by people with dominant identities, and the disability justice as a practice centers the voices, the work, the body minds of people who are at the like intersection, being disabled, being queer, being black indigenous people of color, being, you know, other other identities that often get left out of the conversation. And it basically it's a practice that works toward valuing everybody's body and mind as valuable, regardless of what perceived value or contribution they make to society, to justice movements, to, you know, life. So basically, if your movement is pushing for productivity that looks a certain way, if your movement is centering white voices, if your movement is centering people with certain types of impairments versus others like those are not disability justice as an anti-oppressive music therapy organization mm -hmm. we are aware and critical of the extensive ableism that exists in the field of music therapy yes so at the intersection of your disability identity and your profession as a music therapist and working from the disability justice paradigm, how do you approach your work maybe differently than somebody that doesn't have a disability or somebody that doesn't work from that paradigm? Mm. Yeah, so like you said, um, music therapy is very steeped in in ableism in a medicalized approach to bodies and minds and not not every music therapist not every music therapy philosophy but the majority of this field is and so for me uh 
integrating a disability justice approach into my professional practice means really recognizing and realizing what that means in my personal life. We on this podcast have talked about the idea of queering and like destabilizing these sort of assumed and expected ways of of doing things in regards to particularly power, hierarchy, and whose whose voices and experiences are prioritized. And in disability justice, sometimes we sometimes people use the term cripping, which to reclaim the slur of crippled to sort of provide a more concrete foundation in a way to what queering as a paradigm or theory strives for. So when you crip processes in the same way that you can queer processes, uh, you're basically working within the strengths and limitations of your own body and mind. And that often is that often uh, is almost in opposition to what capitalist structures and systems say you have to. Like, you have to be productive. You have to do things in a certain amount of time. You have to meet these things, do these things in this way, or you won't be recognized or you'll be left behind. Disability justice says we will move at the speed of the person that we are going to come alongside. There was a uh, a talk, a presentation given called Moving at the Speed of Trust, and I really like that. Uh, and, and basically, it's this idea of really valuing and not leaving behind everybody. And so, to come back to your question, um, in my professional practice, it means that I try to sort of blur the edges of what power itself looks like. I, I've talked about this before, but also just within the professional like relationships and community that I am a part of to also remind others that their experiences in their own bodies and minds is also valuable because colonialism and capitalism, they sort of say when you come into a space, whether that's a, like an advocacy space or a sort of career space or a even a therapy space like that's separate from who you are that's you sort of leave all of the things right at the door like even as kids we're often told like leave it at the door right but when you crip what that looks like and queer what that looks like you begin to be able to integrate and to celebrate all of the experiences of all of who you are um, and that's that's what I try to bring into every space that I'm a part of. Your explanation of how you integrate disability justice into your professional work as well as your personal spaces, that supports the anti-oppressive mm. nature of the type of work that our organization does specifically. Yes. Where do you see the intersection between the disability justice approach and trauma-informed care? Mm. Yeah, so I personally believe that trauma-informed care uh, is, one, extremely valuable, and I'm so 
grateful that we work from that approach. And I also believe that in a lot of ways, meeting someone with a trauma-informed lens is kind of the very least we can do for each other as humans who are who cannot be separated from our experiences in the world everyone brings all of who they are into all of the spaces right and acknowledging and holding uh what that means like that's how you care for people in for me and so the disability justice approach kind of builds upon that in a way um by saying we recognize that the bodies and minds that we exist in which are not separate from the rest of the world that we exist in for particularly queer trans black indigenous people of color who are disabled the structures that we live in actively or sort of complicitly uh, if that makes sense try to keep us out and disability justice is a way to bring everyone in and to not leave people behind so by actively working to crip spaces and crip uh, relationships by actively working toward mutual community care by actively you know asking people what are your access needs by actively holding space for community that is cross-movement, cross-disability, because there is, just in existing as a disabled person, we're often isolated from our community and our culture and our history, and disability justice gives us space to connect. And I think that that piece of community care and connection and really putting into practice um, actively caring for one another, actively recognizing that we don't exist in an isolated bubble either from our own bodies or from collective traumas either. Like that, I think, is, is really valuable. How do you practically create safe space with Mm. disability justice in your sessions we talk some on staff about universal design and Mm -hmm. making modifications to our physical building to the physical rooms to support that making modifications to um, how we distribute and collect like registration information information intake information etc etc what do you do practically in a session so that's a good question so i think it's kind of difficult to narrow in on the this happens in this session because when we queer and crip spaces and relationships we it's not just like oh a one one piece of that relationship right it's it's like everything everything is integrated but like right now we're also recording in the time of the pandemic we're also recording in the time of the systems in the world are being questioned are being challenged are being dismantled in a way and that means that a lot of what we do has had to shift 
and a lot of the ways that has had to shift are things that disabled communities have been asking for, demanding, needing for many years, and ways that ways a society has always said it's too hard or we can't do that or that's not the way we've done it so we're not going to do it that way like virtual things or like meeting people in virtual spaces or having access to food deliveries or just even developing networks of care like these are not always things that people have had access to even though we've needed access to them and sessions have have sort of migrated virtually right now and in that way like there are pros and cons to virtual sessions and also it's enabled us to really meet people where they are in such a way that's like we're able to work on on different schedules because like time seems so different now we're able to try to build in like these networks of of care get food to people we're able to do all of these things because the structures that we've been so used to being in and relying on are literally being shaken right now and that kind of enables people to now recognize like everyone is going to be left behind if we don't change things and that's the thing where people are like i just want to go back to the way things were back to normal like disability justice says okay that's great but please don't continue to leave us behind because right now we've finally gotten a lot more access to a lot more things that we wouldn't otherwise have and that's not to say that things are perfect because there are still people being left behind rural communities native communities like communities where internet is a barrier like that's not okay that they're still being left behind and so it's like where do we go from here right Mm, I really like that so where do we go from here And I agree that the virtual nature of what's happening is really opening up new or new to certain communities, opportunities like doing therapy virtually that's becoming a little bit more standard practice than previous. I also think that the current dismantling of systems for our organization is we're taking a real hard look at things, policies, procedures, et cetera, that impact our clients, but also those that impact our staff. Mm. And we can get a, we can get overly focused with what clients need, with what our patients need, with like, depending on what setting you're working in and what your job is. And this is not music therapy specific, but sometimes we entirely forget that the people doing the work also need the care. Mm -hmm. And so what our executive directors, board members, CEOs, et cetera, what are those people doing Mm. to integrate disability justice into their businesses, their nonprofits, their schools, Yeah, yeah, like you said, everyone needs care. Everyone. Because I think right now, you know, that's, that's the thing about disablement and enablement. Everyone 
has had to shift the way they do things and people are now having to grapple with these new ways of life that it's either structures and systems change or like i said everyone gets left behind and one of the principles of disability justice is leadership and prioritizing the experience of people that have these identities like queer trans black indigenous people of color who are disabled because for a long time these are the people we are the people who have had to figure things out on our own and right now in a lot of ways sectors of society have been disabled by the shift that's had to happen and we're figuring out how we can enable these access things, points of connection, all of these things that people have been so used to having that the disabled community has had to work really hard to achieve. And that's the thing, collective care and collective liberation has to happen in order for everyone to exist. Like, you may have heard the phrase, like, none of us are free until all of us are free and that like that applies to so many things but especially for the disabled community who are historically just forgotten about like we've been shut away physically shut away physically restrained from society physically and metaphorically we've lost generations to that and violence has been committed against us like a third to half of people who are victims of police brutality are disabled and that's that's not something that often gets talked about but because we don't exist just as isolated beings like all of these intersections of our existence contribute to the ways that we exist um yeah yeah no that makes a lot of sense and it's good stuff so for listeners that are unfamiliar with disability justice and want to learn more about this approach and paradigm Mm -hmm. what resources would you recommend yeah so like i said in my disclaimer all of the knowledge that i have shared and am working to integrate into my practice my my personal and professional practice and that i am striving to embody has been given to me by the writing and teaching of elders in my community those who are no longer with us and those who are actively right now advancing this approach um who are yeah really working to build these spaces and celebrate all of our bodies and minds um and i will share a few of those writings and teachings here awesome So if you would like to find those resources, they'll be linked in the notes for this episode, and they'll be on our website at S as in Sam, C as in cat, musicproject.org. You can also follow us on social media at SC Music Project or on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all the places. If you find this podcast helpful for your learning, for your growth, um, for whatever you're doing in your life, Please subscribe. Please leave a review. This helps other people to find us. Share with your friends, your family, anybody in your circles and your network. Thank you so much, Yana, for chatting with us and sharing your wisdom and your expertise and your experiences. Thank you. And thank you, listeners, for listening. And we'll talk to you next time.